do not, do not be filled. Don't try to fill yourself with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. There it is, we finally got to our yes. I had two no's, not sexual immorality, not drunkenness, we got to our yes. Yes, be filled by the Holy Spirit. You are always made to run on God. How are you filled? Paul says like this, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's word. I think that 
we often think of our hearts as having vessels. Now I'm kind of back to my high school biology class. Remember that? There's the aorta, the pulmonary artery, and then isn't the superior vena cava and then the inferior vena cava? So I think that normally when we think of our hearts, we think of our hearts as having vessels. But did you also know that your heart is one? Your heart is a vessel. I had a college communications professor. I, I hesitate to use his language because it's not very masculine. But he would talk about your love cup. <laughs> you got to fill that thing up. Your heart is a vessel. It's got to be filled. Here we are, we're in Ephesians, we've been walking along, and what we're going to do is we're going to try to cover three main ideas, three main truths that Paul gives us here in Ephesians chapter 5. And what we're going to look at is what Paul says about you being filled. Your heart is a vessel, it's got to be filled. And what we're going to see is that he gives you two no's, and he gives you one yes. There's two ways to do this wrong, and then there's one way to do it right. Your heart is a vessel. It's got to be filled. Here's your first no. Don't try to fill your heart with empty words that is going to lead you to an empty life. This is where Paul gets to, but it's not where he starts. What he starts with is a description of Christian behavior. He says... This is what Christian life is like. There isn't to be any sexual immorality, not even a hint among you, or impurity, or of greed. He says, it's not proper for God's holy people. So he's just giving this description. This is, this is a description of, of Christian life. No sexual immorality, any kind of sex that's outside of a husband-wife relationship. He says, we don't do that. There's not even a hint of it, not even a hint of it at all. That's what Paul says. And then he brings it a little bit closer to home. He says, not only we're talking about behaviors, but we're also going to talk about the way that you talk about it. He doesn't even want us to talk poorly about it. He says, no obscenities, right? No F words, none of that. No obscenities, no foolish talk. You know, people talk foolishly about sexuality all the time. And he says, no, no coarse joking at all. He says, none of that. I, I want you to be watching what's come out of your, coming out of your mouth. And I want to tell you why he tells you this. Have you ever thought about this? You always say it. You always say it before you do it. Ever thought about it? Before everybody was doing that stuff in high school, what did you do? You talked about it. Before you say it, before you do it, you always say it. Your words are a gateway to behavior. So Paul says, none of this behavior, none of this talk. Christians don't do that. And then, then he gets to the heart of the matter. Not just about your behavior, not just what comes out of your mouth. Now we're, wanna, now we're gonna talk about your beliefs. What do you believe about this stuff? He tells you this. This is his big command in this section. He says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. That's the command. 
Let no one deceive you with empty words. These are empty words. They don't correspond to, to reality. They're not filled words. They don't lead you anywhere. They lead you to an empty life. Let nobody deceive you with empty words. That's the command. Well, this is going to get awkward. This is going to get awkward. But we're going to do it. I feel called to it. I feel very called to this. I feel very called to this because of what Paul says. Paul says to us here, you got to walk very, very carefully in this world. Very, very carefully in this world. You go out into the world, you are walking through a landmine. Very, very carefully in this world. This is what Paul says. Says, The times are evil, he says. You've got to know the times. You've got to know the world in which you live. He says the times are evil. You need to realize that. So this is going to get awkward. But I feel called to it. The sexual ethos today does have a parallel. Christians recognize this. Here we are in 2021. In human history, there are parallels to how free the sexual ethos is today. A lot of Christians, they they talk about ancient Rome. They'll talk about how in ancient Rome you could sleep with anybody just about anywhere, and it was fine. They talk about ancient Rome. They'll even talk about in ancient Rome how, just like today, same-sex attraction is not only defended, but it is promoted. Same stuff. There's a parallel. I also want to tell you this. In some ways, our time is absolutely unprecedented. There's no parallel. If you look at our time today, this is my analysis. Everything is sexual. Everything. I went on Spotify just to see if my hunch was right. You know, they have all those stations on there, and so I picked one of them. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but I'm on Spotify and today's top hits or something like that, so I listened to the first five songs. Do you know what every single one of the songs is about? Top five. Every single one. You guessed it. What does every single show on Netflix have to have? You guessed it. Everything is sexual. This this is unprecedented. I want you to think about this. This is unprecedented in human history. Today, people no longer think of themselves as having sexual desires. They are their sexual desires. That's unprecedented. Never before in human history has somebody, somebody thought that they actually are equivalent to their sexual, sexual desires. They have sexual desires. Now people think they are, which is why they identify themselves by their sexual desires. This is unprecedented in human history. How do we get here? How did we get here? Paul has a master class in, in just laying this out for us. 
He starts out and, you know, he says, this is Christian behavior, no sexual immorality, not even a hint of it. And then he gets to our language, says, I don't even want you to talk or diminish the, the gift that is human sexuality. I, want you, I don't want you to downgrade it at all because your words are a gateway to what you do. I don't even want you to do that. And then he tells you where it all comes from. People are being deceived by empty words. We track it. We can go back to Rousseau. Rousseau was one of the first major thinkers who came along and said, you know what the real problem is in life? This is the reason why I do bad things. The reason why I do bad things is because of institutions and the people around me. They're what's wrong with the world. If I could just do what's inside me, everything would be right. So he was one of the first teachers, certainly the first big one, who said, your inner desires are not the problem. They are the solution. Then comes Sigmund Freud. You've heard of him. Sigmund Freud sexualized everything. He said the human being is driven only by sex. It's disturbing to think about, but Sigmund Freud actually taught that even babies are driven by sex. Sigmund Freud made everything about sex. And Paul says, don't buy it. He throws down the gauntlet. He says, you can be sure of this. The immoral person, the impure person, the greedy person, such a person is an idolater. They will not inherit the kingdom of God or of Christ. They're empty words. They will not fill you. They will only lead you to destruction. We made it. There's your first no. That's not going to fill you. Here's your second one. Do not get drunk with wine, but instead be filled. I want to say two things about that. First of all, that doesn't mean you can get drunk with something else. I just want to be clear. <laughs> Human beings are incredibly creative. We have not only been able to squeeze alcohol out of a grape, we can squeeze alcohol out of just about anything, it turns out. We got wines, we got beers, we got whiskeys. Somebody was telling me last Friday night about Trulia. No idea what that is. The point here is back then, wine was how normally people got drunk. Don't get drunk with wine. Doesn't mean you can get drunk on something else. Here's the second thing. The problem here is not drinking itself. The problem here is drunkenness. Neither Paul nor Jesus is against drinking itself. Paul told Timothy to raise a glass, medicinally, actually. Jesus himself makes, very famously, wine for a wedding. Jesus wasn't opposed to raising a glass. Neither Paul nor Jesus are against drinking. What they're against is drunkenness. Well, what's drunkenness? 
We have some legal help with that. Like we all know how much it takes, at least we should, how much you can drink before you're legally impaired to drive. Or you hit a breathalyzer. Alcohol, it slows down your brain, which in turn slows down your tongue. And when you get there, you know that you are impaired. You are intoxicated. You are drunk. Paul says, don't do it. Instead, be filled. Now, this is an incredible insight from Paul. Do you realize that? What are human beings trying to do when they drink too much? When they have that extra splash of Chardonnay, what are they doing it? They're trying to be filled. It's exactly what you're trying. When, you, when you, you, get that, you get that extra whiskey sour that you really didn't need, you are trying to turn that inner frown upside down. That's what you're trying to do. You are trying to be filled. And Paul says, it doesn't work. It doesn't lead to you being filled. He says, here's what it leads to. It leads to debauchery. What is debauchery? Debauchery, debauchery is profligacy. It's, it's looseness. You are looser with your words. You are looser with your sexuality. You are looser with your anger. I was thinking about this this week. And I, when I was started thinking about it, I started seeing it everywhere. Everybody knows this. I got a text from somebody earlier this week. This person was talking about what happened when, when there was drunkenness. Somebody was blabbering out some words, and they destroyed their friend, and they destroyed the relationship. And then it was Thursday night at the guy's dinner. We were at this wing place, and I noticed that one of the wings they make out of they coat it with vodka and ghost peppers. And I said, who thought of that? And they said, they must have been drinking. <laughs> so we always say, they must have been drinking because that's what happens when you drink too much. It doesn't lead to you being filled. It leads to debauchery. It leads to all kinds of craziness. Paul says instead, be filled. Do not, do not be filled. Don't try to fill yourself with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. There it is. We finally got to our yes. Had two no's, not sexual immorality, not drunkenness. We got to our yes. Yes. Be filled by the Holy Spirit. You are always made to run on God. How are you filled? Paul says like this. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's real practical. You sing to each other. How does the spirit move? How does he move? How does he minister? How does he minister to you? How, does he, how do you minister to other people? How does this work? You got to sing. You gotta, you gotta be sung to, you gotta sing. That's how it works. Real practical. Here's what that means. You actually have to sing, y'all. Even if it means off key. You gotta get in there. You gotta do it. You gotta sing. <laughs> you know what else it means? You gotta be here to do it. 
We're talking about congregational singing, right? You got to be here to do it. You can't do that on Zoom. I've never seen congregational singing on Zoom. It doesn't work. You can't do it. You got to be here. It's practical. Got to be here. I want to tell you something. I want to give you. I want to give you witness to this. It really does work. My best, my best spiritual moments are always here. And they always happen on Sunday morning. Always. I think that's remarkable. Because when I come to church, I'm not particularly in a receptive position. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, well, what do I got to say? How do I got to say it? I'm thinking about I'm not really in a receptive position at all doesn't matter. My best spiritual moments are always here. Happening again this morning, I'm standing up here with singing that song, I'm forgiven and I'm cracked like a nut. It works. I'm hearing the voice of somebody behind me singing off key, it doesn't matter. I'm forgiven. Just cracked like a nut. You know, it makes perfect sense to me. I, 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 I don't mean to try to explain the mystery of the Spirit. I can't do that to you. But I can say this. It makes, it makes perfect sense to me. People, people who study how messages are persuasive have said for thousands of years now, this is what makes a message persuasive to the human soul. One, it's got to have the right logos. It has to have the right content. Two, it's got to have the right pathos, the right emotions behind it. Three, it's got to have the right ethos. You have to have the right person and integrity behind it. That's what makes something persuasive. It makes perfect sense. Because think about what you have with music. The right emotion. And think about what you have when you sing the word of God. You have the right logos. You have the right content. And think about when you have the people that you know and that you trust singing that stuff to you. You have the right ethos. It makes perfect sense to me. This is how you're filled. You want to get up tomorrow morning without a, without a headache, without a hangover, without thinking about all the stuff that you did that you regret? Not Merlot. Congregational singing. You think I'm done yet? Oh, you should know better than that. I'm just getting started. I've been, I've been sitting on this verse for four years. Four years. Sometimes I wait for scriptures to come up in preaching. I knew Ephesians was coming up, and this was my time four years ago. I wanted to preach on this verse. I was listening to a Bible teaching, and all of a sudden I made this connection. It just hit me like a ton of bricks, this connection between the similarity between being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Is this thing we call in history called Pentecost. And on Pentecost Day, we're told that Jesus' disciples were filled, see, they were filled 
with the Holy Spirit. And because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were speaking the gospel in foreign languages to people. They were just filled with the Holy Spirit. And do you remember what the accusation was? What did everybody say? They had too much to drink. They're drunk. See, there it is again. There it is again. Same thing. There's, a, there's some similarities between being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's, there are some definite similarities. What are the similarities? First of all, both of them are you being filled with a spirit. Second of all, both of them involve you becoming more bold than you normally are. Third of all, they, they mean that you end up doing things that you don't normally do. Those are the similarities. But here are the differences. The Holy Spirit is a Holy Spirit. So when you are filled by him, it's not that you're deadened to reality, which is what drunkenness is, but instead you have actually entered more fully into God's reality. You know better what God has done for you in Christ. See, instead of you drowning your sorrows with the Spirit, you are actually lifted out of your sorrows by the Holy Spirit. Instead of you being led to do things that you regret, you end up doing the things you always wanted to do, but you weren't courageous enough to do before, just like Peter and the disciples. So all of a sudden, you've got all this shame that's been on your heart, and you didn't have power to throw it off before, but when you're filled by the Holy Spirit, you throw it off, because you know that you are forgiven in Christ. And where before, you were always a people pleaser, you always did what people wanted you to do, even if it wasn't the right thing to do, where now you know that you have pleased God so you can do the right thing. So you're led to do things that you wouldn't normally do. It's such a wonderful thing to be filled by the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to forget that. We talk about that as Christians all the time. This person's filled by the Holy Spirit. The scriptures talk about it all the time. This person's filled by the Holy Spirit. We forget sometimes, I think, how wonderful it is. You know what it's like? Paul tells you, he says, it's like a song in the heart. All of a sudden, your heart becomes like a harp. It's playing. Singing a song to God. There's this buzz in you. As you know, you're forgiven. There's this lightness about your life because you know you are in the hands of God. There's this joy that you have life in eternity. There's this boldness that you get to act in the world for God. It's a, it's a song. It's a buzz. It's a lightness. It's a, it's a joy. And it's not just a Ephemeral, fleeting thing, Paul says. It's grounded. 
we Christians always, always, always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. It was six weeks ago now when we started this sermon series in Ephesians. Maybe some of you remember that sermon. And that sermon was a different kind of sermon. Because the only thing I did in that sermon is I talked about God and I talked about Jesus. That's it. That's it. Talked about God and Jesus. It's a little different than today. <laughs> talked about drunkenness and sexuality and the Holy Spirit, God and Jesus. But the first one I just preached, God and Jesus. And I told you some things. I told you, first of all, what you have in heaven. Paul says, every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every single one. Redemption from every mess in your life. Forgiveness for every kind of drunkenness or sexual immorality in your life. Forgiveness. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not some spiritual blessings in Christ. Not many spiritual blessings in Christ. You have every spiritual blessing in Christ. You are the children of God. So I told you what you have in heaven. Now I told you what you have on earth. A God who is working for you in your life. What God plans, God does. What God desires, he gets done. Paul says everything must conform to his will and his plans. And we know what his plans are. He has predestined you. He has chosen beforehand to get you to God's side. You realize what Paul is talking about, the same thing today. You can always give thanks to God for everything, for everything. That's provocative. Why can he say that? You can, you can give thanks to God for everything. How is that possible? I'm really good at giving thanks for gumdrops and rainbows in my life. But how can you give thanks for your dog's broken leg and the recent rise of COVID? Because everything, everything has to conform to God's good purposes in your life. And we know what they are. Nothing less than eternal salvation. He has your life like an arrow pointed like a bullseye to every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's not going to miss He's going to do that in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's what Paul says. I preached that a few weeks ago, six weeks ago, actually. I remember how much joy I had when I preached it. I was so happy to be able to make those gospel claims in your presence. I remember somebody came out of church, and they tapped my arm, and they just had to hit the exits because this person had tears in their eyes and this person just said to me, it's a good Sunday. Boom, hits the exits. 
later that week. I'm talking to somebody who watches our services online. And there's this family, and the family was telling me about one of the little girls in the family. She listened to that, those truths. She said, listening, that she cried happy tears. They had been filled. That's what we're talking about today. Your heart is a vessel. It needs to be filled with God, the Father, who is the heavenly hound, who hunts you down till he's found you with his word. With Jesus, who you cannot outsin, you cannot outtransgress, and you cannot out iniquity because he has already risen from the dead. With the Holy Spirit who fills you, he just fills you with the buzz, with the lightness, with the joy, with the boldness. In your life, be filled with him today. Always, always be filled with, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. You got to sing. You got to get it out there. Always give thanks to God for everything, for your dog's broken leg, for the recent rise of COVID, everything. You know where you're going. And you know why you're going to get there. Be filled. Let's pray. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that here in your church, you still move. You still minister. You still speak. And we thank you today that you've, you've uncovered the mystery of how it happens. You've called us to congregational singing. Fill our mouths with those songs, songs that come from you. But also, Lord, fill our hearts through this ministry that we carry out. It's through Jesus, who we sing about, that we pray. Amen. Amen.